0: What is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, we have Kevin Gold here with us, founder and CEO of Combo Ventures. Kevin Gold is an entrepreneur, talent manager, brand builder, and investor based in Los Angeles, California. He is the founder and CEO of Combo Ventures and is also a co-founder of three direct-to-consumer brands. Insert name here, a hair extensions and product brand, Wakeheart, a fragrance and scent brand aimed at Gen Z and young millennials, and co founded with the Dolan Twins, two of the largest digital influencers in the world. And Glametic, a leading magnetic eyeliner and lash brand. In 2019, Gold was named to Variety Magazine's Dealmakers Impact List, honoring top dealmakers in the entertainment industry, and in 2020 was recognized by Business Insider on their list of top investors in the influencer economy. Gold regularly speaks on panels and at events on new media, experiential marketing, and the convergence of technology, entertainment, and consumer branding. Before we dive into the episode, please take a moment to share this episode with a friend. Make sure you leave a five-star review on iTunes. And if you're listening on Spotify, share this episode on your Instagram stories, tag myself, tag Kevin G on Instagram. And with that being said, let's dive into the episode. All right. What is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young Podcast. On today's episode, we have Kevin Gold here with here with us today from Combo Ventures. Thanks so much for coming on, Kevin.
1: Thanks for having me, Casey. Really excited to be here.
0: Yeah. So we've, we've been, I would say, connected for quite some time now on Instagram, and I've been looking forward to having you on the show. But for everyone that may not know what Combo Ventures is, I know that you guys have a ton of different portfolio companies, but also companies that you're, you guys are more actively involved with. I'd love for you to give the people some insight into what Combo Ventures is before we dive into it.
1: Yeah, sure. So by the way, really excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Um, to give a little bit of context on Combo Ventures. So um, Combo has taken a, a few different forms over the years, but uh, one side of the business operates as a digital talent management business where we're managing. Um, you know large YouTube creators and digital content creators and we also do a lot of strategy work with brands primarily on influencer and content strategy and then a few years ago I really wanted to start building my own brands and so um, a little over two years ago launched uh, my first brand Uh, today we you know I've I've co-founded and co-owned three different direct consumer brands Um, one is in the women's hair space called insert name here i have two co-founders sharon and jordan on that brand another's called glametic it's a magnetic eyelash brand and sort of we're expanding into everything diy beauty hacks yep and then third was sort of done with uh with with two influencers the dolan twins uh, um who are two amazing amazing guys and it's a fragrance and scent brand for gen z called called wakeheart
0: very cool man yeah, man. I, I think it's fascinating. And I know we touched on it briefly before we jumped into it, but you have different business partners and all these different ventures. And you guys, like I said before, have a ton of companies that you've invested into. Like, Where did this all start when it comes to like the first company, a part of Combo Ventures? Because I'm sure it was a, a journey to get to the point where you are now.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, look, it's been, I've been in LA now for, uh, I think, almost 13 years and, wow. and time flies. But
0: Quick story is grew up in North
1: Carolina. um, I didn't know that. I'm from
0: Virginia. So shout out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right next door. Yeah. So, you know, grew up in North Carolina, wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. I got a business degree at the time. And it was at a time where you couldn't just like go on YouTube and learn anything you wanted. Right. I feel uh, it's an amazing time right now for someone in college or that's 18 that wants to learn anything. But at the time that wasn't really there yet. Um, Knew I wanted to be in the entertainment business. And so I ended up moving out to L.A., um, ended up landing a gig at, in the mailroom at WME, um, uh, which okay. is one of the larger talent agencies, um, out there. And I actually started so, so the way it works, right, is you start in the mailroom, and you literally at the time I was like pushing around a mail card, and <laughs> and, and like they the don't care thing. where you went to college, it doesn't matter. It was, yeah. uh, it was like wild, and then you become an assistant. And so I worked for a few different agents who repped a lot of big traditional actors, and I was working with like all the that, you know, the young Hollywood traditional type actors pre-digital, saw that, you know, digital was like really coming up. At the time, WME only had like a one person digital department. Now they've got 50 agents in that department and saw a gap there and, and, and sort of uh, decided to leave. And at the time I left with someone else and started what ended up being Combo Ventures, um, where at the time we were essentially working with, early to mid stage startups and running all of their entertainment strategy. And the model was we take a retainer like an agency would, but I'd also take equity in the companies and then sort of parlay that to once I realized how hard it was to get into the companies, doubling down on investing in the, you know, in the companies as well.
0: Very cool, man. So you moved out to LA twelve years ago. And then how long were you at that talent agency before you stepped out?
1: I was there a little over three I think a little over three and a half years okay. uh, and it was an amazing experience. I think like I always tell a lot of young people like go into a company and learn. Like I learned so much there. I, I, got, I gained so many relationships in the entertainment space that I still have to this day. Um, and you know, look, I got crushed. Like it was like, I was working like a hundred hours a week, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was, it was an amazing experience and, and, and I totally love that I did it.
0: Dude, that's very cool, man. So with combo ventures, um, Did you start off by, you said working on more so you would have um, like a agency, but then it shifted into starting your own brands. When did that come into play when it comes to launching your own brands?
1: Yeah, that's, that's actually like fairly recent in the life cycle of of combo. So that was a little over two years ago now. Um, And a lot of it came from just, you know, working with all these influencers in the space. I saw the real scale that influencers could get on the commerce side by the reach they had, Um, and I just felt like there was this, this sort of, uh, white space where if you really know and understand the influencer side of things, and of course you have to have all the other things you need to do to build a successful e-com brand. Um, there's a little bit of a competitive advantage there. And, uh, and yes, so insert name here, which is the first brand we launched. It's the women's hair brand that launched, uh, around two years ago.
0: Okay. Very cool, man. When did um, like angel investing come into the picture? Because I know that you you have a quite the great portfolio uh, of great companies, but when did that start coming into play?
1: So I've always sort of missed that like risk factor in my head. Like I, I, I'm you know someone who's willing to take lots of risk, and so when I was when I when I was really working with a lot of these early stage startups, and I you know I obviously had them on like a retainer from the agency model. Yep it was like, wait a second, why am I not investing in these companies? I need to double down. And so what I did was I took all, like literally all the money except to pay rent back when I was 23 or 24 and threw it back in as an angel investor in the company. Um, And that's how it really, and it started small, man. I was doing like 10, 15 K checks and then it obviously built from there. And some of them really worked. Some of them didn't work. Um, But, uh, you know, luckily I think the ones that worked, worked one of the ones that didn't.
0: Yeah. I mean, what were some of the early companies that you got involved with? Cause I know right now you guys have a, a handful of different brands, but what were some of the early ones that you bet on?
1: Yeah. One was gift. Uh, it was a digital gift card app that I think at the time was like the first, you know, app out there in the space nine years ago that, uh, you could send and receive digital gift cards. And it kind of comes back to like lifelong relationships that you make. Yep. CJ, who was the founder and CEO of that company, he ultimately ended up selling it to a big payment processor, First Data. But out of it, him and I became like really great friends. And cut to today, he's the founder and CEO of a, a company called Step, which is like essentially banking for Gen Z. Um, and so it's it just kind of it just shows like you know keeping great relationships yeah. is key, and uh, it's it, it's fun to see like you know the the relationships grow over nine or ten years.
0: Dude, that. That's so cool, man. And speaking of step, I know that I've been seeing it everywhere recently. I know that we were talking about it in the DMS. You guys did a huge campaign with Charlie D'Amelio and I, I, you guys are just crushing it from an influencer perspective product. Um, I'd love for you to touch on that of what step is uh, your involvement. When'd you get involved? And most importantly, from the influencer side, I'd love to touch on just some of the campaigns that you guys are running because I'm seeing them everywhere right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Again, CJ has been a really good buddy of mine for a long time. Um, you know, he launched Step around two years ago. Building a bank, an actual bank is really tough. Yeah, i um, sure. <laughs> brought really great, he brought on some really great investors with Stripe and, you know, Will Smith, a number of other people came in. Um, and the combo side of the business, I'm fortunate to have a really amazing team on, on that side of the business. And we sort of sat down with Step and figured out, you know, what's the right influencer strategy um, to launch, you know, step into the ecosystem for Gen Z. So, um, the news that you're mentioning with Charlie D'Amelio coming on as a big partner of the brand and and also her parents. Cause I think it's, yeah,
0: there's
1: like a real, uh, there's a real lack of financial literacy and education for teens. Like they just don't teach it in school. So that's, yep. that's one of the main goals of step. And that's what drew me <laughs> to it. And so I've been an angel investor, um, you know, essentially since day one, and I'm excited to have, Step uh, as a client on the you know on the combo side of the business.
0: Dude, that, that's very cool, man. And I wanted to touch on DraftKings. You said there's a wild story there. You um, were you an angel investor in DraftKings or what's your involvement there?
1: Yeah, I mean I've been an investor in DraftKings, man, for probably five years. Wow. And and it just goes to show, uh, like I think a few things. One is it takes really resilient founders to get a company through tough times. When I invested in DraftKings. You know, it was going great, Uh, and and then all of a sudden, regulation hit in the in the gambling space, right? And it was a whirlwind two to three years, and I don't think they could have stuck around if it wasn't for the management team they had in place and resiliency of the founders. And you know, as an investor, right? A lot sometimes it's it's not an easy ride up. I think that's what gets reported in the media a lot of times, but. A company like DraftKings it was like a roller coaster up and down and luckily you know it, it ended really up and and they went public about six months ago yep. um but uh that, that was an exciting one
0: dude that's insane and like I, I'd love to dive more deeper into that like DraftKings as like going through the regulations and as an investor and someone that you know believes in a brand like what were some of the lessons that you learned through the struggles of that deal
1: yeah I mean look I think that one it's a little bit different than oper- the the businesses that I operate, right? Because I'm in totally. it day to day and I was more of a passive investor in DraftKings. But I do think like when I look at the thesis of everything I've invested in, again, it comes down to who are the founders, how are they going to pivot and navigate through this? I think yep. there's a lot of parallels now to any entrepreneur that's going through COVID, right? Like anyone anyone that went through COVID would have never thought at the beginning of the year that uh, that their entire business strategy for 2020 probably went out the window and they had to be super resourceful, um, navigate, navigate very quickly. Um, and you know, realize that changes are happening and just adjust. Right. So, um, I, I think just companies in order to survive have to constantly be reinventing themselves and be super resourceful.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And I want to take a step back. So you said you're from North Carolina. You went to college. Like where? Where did you see your future when you were in your early 20s, going to college? Like, did you have a plan to move to LA? Because you know, like for everyone that's listening, you have your hands in a lot of things. You're crushing it in business. But I want to talk more about the, the journey of how you got to this point point. what was the, what were the opportunities that led you to LA and what was your infrastructure like while growing up in North Carolina? Because I think that's yeah. super important. Yeah. I, I
1: mean, I had a really, really loose plan. Um, and, and I think for me at the time I was grasping for knowledge that I couldn't find. So again, like in, this is like 2008, obviously like there was, the internet, but it wasn't as built out as it was today. There weren't, um, you know, if I were 18 at the time, I'd be listening to someone like you, right. And taking advice from you, there wasn't the use out there, right. There wasn't, um, these other entrepreneurs to go look at. And so, you know, it was, it was talking to other, uh, you know, entrepreneurs that I could find in North Carolina and talking to mentors, but I honestly didn't know. And I, and I just sort of had an intuition that I, you know, I thought I should be out in LA and I, you know, I wanted to give it a shot. Um, and you know, I just made the, you know, made the move. Yeah. Uh, But I think today, like I I just tell every young person, I'm like, man, you can learn anything you want on the internet and like, don't, don't miss that opportunity for knowledge that you can find on, you know, for anything you want to do on, on YouTube or, um, you know, on social.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to touch on just influencer marketing in 2020 how have you seen the industry shift especially during covid and the whole you know what everything happened right where brands are either spending less or spending more depending on their resources but what's your thoughts on where influencer marketing is and where it's going
1: i finally think it's actually hit mainstream and and you know it's the last couple even the last couple years like obviously brands have gotten much more into it than they were before but the one thing I, I've seen over the last nine months is how quickly brands jumped into TikTok. Yep. I mean, five years ago, it took them forever to jump into YouTube. And you were just always trying to convince them the value yep. of, of leveraging influencers. So I think that for the most part, um, you know, brands have realized they need to work with influencers. and that, But it's very binary still. There's like some that do it really, really well. And then others that are just like grasping for air yeah. that are trying to figure out what to do and they just can't keep up. Um, the ones that are doing it really well have figured out that it has to run in parallel with everything else that you're doing from a uh, a content strategy, a social strategy, a paid media strategy. It can not You can't look at like influencer marketing as just like an isolated thing, right? It's definitely got a lot of advantages, but you need to run it in parallel with everything that else that you're doing as a... As a brand and i think the i'd say the last thing is that the pricing of influencers has adjusted a little bit more i think five years ago brands just had no clue how to price it and they were paying you know insane amounts of money yeah Uh, i think there's still like some brands out there that do that but brands have gotten a lot smarter about the way they're tracking roi and just backing into the numbers um and so i think there's actually more deals now for influencers but the, the 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 rates that they're getting paid have been compressed a little bit from where they're at five years ago.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. How, what's your advice to brands? Like if there's someone listening that's an entrepreneur, has a brand, they want to dive into the influencer marketing space more. Like how do you, like you said, audit and stay aligned with your brand mission? Where do you look for these influencers? Because I, I think that's the, a question that you know a lot of business owners want, want to know is like, how do you get in touch, not only get in touch, but if you're, if you're someone that's just getting into the space that you're not too familiar with it, that would hire someone like yourself, like what is the strategy to have a great influencer strategy, um, outside of just reaching out to them on Instagram? You know what I'm saying?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I look, I think that is the place to sort of start. Like, I think, I think sometimes people think it's a little more complicated than it is. Right. And like for us, right on, on, uh, you know, let's take like Climetic or insert name here, some of the brands that we do a lot of influencer work on in the beginning, you know, we were super scrappy. We didn't have a ton. I self-funded everything. We didn't have a ton of capital to go, you know, pay a ton of influencers, a lot of money. And so we were sitting on Instagram DMing micro influencers who we thought were authentic to our brand. And we built out a pretty robust gifting strategy. Um, you know, and we, and we really had to like back into, which ones made sense and were worth it. And you have to really look at their engagement and it's obviously not just followers. Yeah, uh, I think as, as a brand gets more, uh, you know, scale, there's obviously a lot of tools they can use to search for influencers. But um, when you're like a solo entrepreneur or it's a team of two or three and you're super early, like you should be DMing 100 to 200 influencers a day yep. and you're gonna have a certain percentage of hit rate of influencers that are gonna talk about your brand. You're gonna figure out the ones that pop and you either go find more people like them or you double down and, and actually hook them into like a bigger deal on an ongoing basis for your brand. So that would be my advice if you're trying to do it, you know, super low budget, super scrappy, um, until you figure out what's right. And then you can get into actually, you know, paying, you know, paying uh, you know, doing paid deals for influencers. Yeah,
0: totally. Um, when it comes to the three brands, Glametic, um, Wakeheart, and insert name here. What was the you know beauty right getting into fragrance and um, hair extensions and just everything that's happening in that world? What was the reason behind that and what gave you that opportunity to dive into that space?
1: Yeah, I you know I've been fortunate through some past companies i have invested in to have um, you know a little bit of a background in the beauty space, and I really really like that world because of the communities that are built around um, you know around beauty. So I think if you look at Brands in the beauty space that have really scaled—they have one thing in common, which they all have really, really strong communities. And yep. when I looked to start all the brands, I looked for co-founders that I thought uh, had did an amazing job on, you know, community and culture building. Um, and so for me, that's what really excites me. Outside of the fact that obviously beauty is a massive, uh, you know, multi-billion totally. business, <laughs> right? Um, and a lot of times it's recession recession-proof. For me, it really comes down to like the you know I've never seen communities yeah uh, like in the beauty space.
0: When you say communities, what do you mean by that?
1: Like I think I think a good example is if you go to you know either Glammetic or Instagram here on Instagram and you look at like the tagged photos. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> girls and women tagging us in photos and talking about how um, the hair or the lashes has changed their life. Right. We have. Yep. Um, really built out Facebook groups. I think one tip for any brand out there is there is so much uh, value in Facebook groups still. I think everyone sort of writes off Facebook. It's an amazing platform for uh, customer loyalty and we dive really deep in there. And when you dive into those groups and look at the uh, customers that are connecting with each other, that's a community and that's really hard to build, right? Like you can run ads all day, but yep. to have that is super powerful.
0: Yeah. Like the loyal fan base that always comes back. And, and speaking of, you know, Facebook groups, building culture, I think you've done this great. What's step one to do that, right? If a brand has a product, they just launched, like, how do you go about building that community right from the start? When you have only a couple customers customers, you're just starting your brand. Like what was your strategy and what would you recommend?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think our strategy on, on each of the brands was, um, the founders are really front and center. And obviously look, with with the Dolan's early on, they're an anomaly in that they're really, really big influencers, right? Yep. But with WayCart, the goal for Card is for the brand to be bigger than the guys over the next couple of years, right? Because totally. we don't want it to just be the Dolan's WayCart brand, we want it to be WayCart in a standalone brand. On insert name here and Glammatic, my Ann, who's my co-founder on Glametic, Sharon and Jordan on INH, they have a following, they're essentially micro-influencers, right? but they really came out front and center and were authentic about the brand building process to their audience. And I think if founders are willing to do that, it goes a long way with the customer base. And then in parallel, right? We, we, um, you know, did a number of different things. Obviously the influencer strategy is key and getting, um, you know, getting other influencers to talk about it. Once we started getting customers like doing just because gifts can go a long way. So we did this thing where, um, once a month, we actually will pick five random customers, we'll like kind of look kind of creep on their IG, see what yeah. they see, see what they're into. And and like for example, this this uh one customer we saw she loved poems. We created okay. her like custom poem book, sent it to her in a an INH like wow um, package, wasn't expecting it. And like those types of things like just go a long way. And she you know what she did, she shared that with her entire audience. It got shared around on social yep. and it just really like showed that the brand, you know, the brand cared about the customer. Um, and for us, that's, that's everything, right? Like the customer is everything.
0: I love that. And doing that, you know, that, that's what just even hearing that it's the personal gift and the little things that they aren't expecting that really make it uh, like that much more important to them, you know? Absolutely. Um, when, when it comes to how you spend your time, I, I love to hear about, you know, like how you manage all of this. You have a lot of different projects and you're in, uh, you know, you have different companies that you're actively managing, investing into, like, what does your schedule look like and how do you manage all of this?
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny. I, we did like a, like a, a, a official head count the other day and I think we're pushing close to a hundred people now across, wow. across everything. So, um, that, by the way, that's been wild just with COVID and managing yeah. everything virtually. Um, there is a lot going on, but I, I'm pretty hyper focused on, um, placing my uh, time in the places that are needed at different points in time. Right. So I'm, I'm thankful that I have really great co-founders on each brand and I have a really great team on combo that handles a lot of the day-to-day on these campaigns. And so, um, I'm always conscious about how I'm splitting my time between the three different brands and the combo side of the business and I've just learned to be really, really thoughtful. Uh, I have to be really thoughtful in my head about how I'm managing manage my time and not get caught in the weeds on too many things. Like You can only go deep in so many places. And so my time sort of ebbs and flows based on the different needs uh, of the companies.
0: I love that. Is there one that particularly takes more time or would you say is really well spread out?
1: I think it's really well spread out. And, and again, I think it goes in, in ebbs and flows. I think I think one thing I've been thinking a lot about for all of the brands and COVID really, really opened my eyes up to this, is this idea of a distributed global team. And I, you know, I've been kind of really harping on this the last six months. And I finally, I met with a friend this weekend and, you know, she told me about this, uh, this phrase that a lot of management consulting firms use called follow the sun. And the whole idea of follow the sun is, you know, when the sun's setting here, you know, the sun's coming up somewhere else. And as a business, you can have 24 seven sort of like a synchronous, uninterrupted relationship. And so a big push for me next year is thinking through how we build an amazing global team out. And it's not about I think a lot of brands look at like, like global teams, it's just like, sort of um, faceless people overseas. That's not how I see it. Yeah. I want every person like I want every person that comes on board, whether they live in the US or the Philippines or India or wherever, to be part of the team, be part of the company culture, um, be excited about our brand. And like I'm I'm incredibly excited to figure out how we can build that out. Or I just think it's gonna be really impactful for for the business overall. So that's where a lot of my headspace is at. Right I love now, that, actually. man.
0: And um, speaking on 100 people plus, like, well, first off, congrats on that. But when it comes to working with people remotely, like what's been your experience on that, especially during this time where a lot of businesses have shifted to remote working? How how have you managed that? And what's your strategy to just keep everyone aligned? So
1: pleasantly surprised. I think if you, again, if you would ask me that a year ago, I would have been like, this never would have worked. (laughs) Uh, But I think our teams have done a really, really great job of, um, you know, staying focused, getting their work done. I think in a lot of ways, we're more efficient than, um, you know, than we were before um, meetings when you when you jump on a zoom meeting, you know, you have to have a purpose for the meeting. Yeah. right? And so the teams have gotten a lot better about that. I do think there is an element that um, you, you do miss in the office of just like, um, like water cooler talk, right. And getting to know each other. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we, um, Jordan, my co-founder on INH had this great idea on Slack. It's just like this plugin called donut where it matches you up with new team members where you can kind of get to know them better. Cause as we grow, there's Very a lot cool. of people coming on board and there's a lot of people that haven't even met in person. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, keeping like the culture we'll do, we'll do, um, you know, we'll do like happy hour Fridays on zoom and, okay. you know, I think we're getting creative and, and, um, I I'm super proud of the teams on how, how everyone's adapted.
0: Very cool, man. Dude, that, that's awesome. What, what's the plugin called again?
1: It's called donut. So donut it's like a plug, you have to plug in on Slack. Okay. Team, it matches you up with a different team member that you may have not known as well. And you really do like a, like a coffee, like a donut Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and a virtual coffee. And so that's, that's helped a lot in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of, culture building and getting to
0: know each other. Very cool. I have not heard of that. I'm definitely going to check it out after this. Um, Switching back to more so angel investing, like as an investor, how do you personally vet deals and what do you look for before making an investment?
1: Sure. So I generally steer towards early stage companies, right? So maybe like it's a seed round, a series A round, um, typically won't go much farther past that. And so a lot of times it's a blend of A lot of it's instinctual and you have to have a gut feeling and, and like a confidence and confidence in the founders. So a lot of it comes down to, can these founders actually execute on this idea, right? Balanced with, you know, obviously looking at the financials of the business, looking at the market size, looking at the competition. Um, And so that's the thing I like about early stage is like, there's a lot of unknowns Yeah, and um, you know, look, you can dissect the financials all you want, but it really comes down to, um, you know, to really thinking through, can the, these women or men or whoever the founders are, can they execute on their idea and take it the distance? Yep. Um, and, and so that's really how I evaluate, you know, a lot of, a lot of deals.
0: Very cool. So it's a like founder first, right? It's like you, you were betting on the
1: horse. A hundred percent, a hundred percent.
0: I love that, man. And, um, regarding the talent management, I, I know that we've, we've chatted about it briefly, but can you talk to me more about what you guys do from a talent management perspective?
1: Yeah, sure. So, you know, on the, on the talent that we work with, we're really helping them think through 360, like what's their overall strategy. I think the larger digital influencers, you know, they're, it's not just like you're cutting brand deals. You're thinking about what's the, you know, what are the long term businesses that they want to build? A lot of them have like commerce arms of things that they're building out. Um, you know, uh, sniper Wolf, who's one of the, one of the talent we manage, she's got, you know, 22 million YouTube subs. And so we're helping someone like her think through like, what's the holistic 360 strategy Mm -hmm. for her business. Um, and I think for a lot of influencers too, it's, it's like helping them think through where you get longevity, because what I've seen over the last 10 years is there's a rise, fall, sometimes rise again of influencers. And, and, um, you know, I think Obviously, influencers are amazing content creators, and they figured out a way to get people to listen to what they're projecting. But what they're projecting now may not necessarily translate a year from now, right? Totally. And the space is moving quicker and quicker and quicker. And so it's constantly just helping them think through how to make sure they're staying ahead um, and hopefully on top.
0: Yeah, I I love that. And like speaking about like the life cycle of influencers, what would you say creates longevity for an influencer and you know, some of the processes that you guys look for to ensure that?
1: Sure. I mean, I think it's a I think it's a few things. I think that obviously the content has to be relevant to their audience and they have to know. um, I think the successful influencers know what uh, their audience wants to see, and they do a really, really amazing job of delivering it. But again, that switches over time. So they have to keep really up to speed on just what's happening macro level in the space and where that content's being placed. I think one of the hardest things about being an influencer today is you kind of have to be everywhere and anywhere now. Yep. Uh, I and mean, you're on TikTok, you got your TikTok strategy, your YouTube <laughs> strategy, your IG strategy, you got your podcast strategy. Um, I think the ones that really thrive long term it honestly comes down to hard work. Yep. You know, I, I think so. a lot of people get burned out. It's a grind totally. being there. An and, you know, I think there's a, there's certainly like the, you know, there's like the mental health aspect of it, of like yep. chasing likes and getting burned out. And so, um, it does take a, a certain mental toughness to be an influencer and be in the game for a long time. Um, I think they need to. It, it's, it's really the basics of life, right? Yeah. It comes down not to being an influence. How about being a good person, right? Like, I think, <laughs> like yeah, I think yeah. longevity, being a good person goes a long way and that translates to their audience, right? Yeah. So a lo- there's a lot of parallels of being an influencer with just being successful in any other part of life. Totally. And there's obviously certain things um, from the content that you're delivering that uh, you have to be on trend again and all those things. But it's very similar to how other people are successful in life. It's just slightly different um, when you're an influencer.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And um, last question before we wrap up, that is just with Combo Ventures and everything you're a part of. Like, what are you excited about that you'd want to share with the people today? Just with everything you have moving forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm. I mean, first of all, I'm just thankful. Like, I think. Look, this year could have went a lot of ways. Luck. Luckily, we're fortunate that got a big portion of the business that's in the e-com space and another portion of the business on that's on the influencer side. Both of those spaces right now are doing really, really well. Um, you know, on the three brands, right. We'll, it's been massive growth this year. We'll end the year in you know, the mid eight figures in revenue. Um, I, I think like we're looking to set 2021 up as a nine figure year yeah. for three brands. And, and the thing that I'm most proud of the teams about is that, we didn't take on capital. We self-funded this. That's really, really hard to do. Totally. And I think it's going to make us stronger long-term that we did that. We didn't go raise a lot of capital. And so I'm excited across the board, man. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some other um, crazy things that pop up that we're going to have to navigate. That's life. That's like the startup world. And, you know, we'll be ready for whatever, whatever comes up.
0: Love that. And um, last thing, Kevin, where's the best place for everyone to follow you and to stay in touch with you um, after this interview?
1: Sure. So Instagram is just at Kevin G um, LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's Kevin Gould. My website's comboventures.com combos with a K. And, uh, you know, you can follow all the brands, um, the brands as well. So at name here at wakeheart at Glammatic and uh that's the best way
0: perfect well kevin thanks so much for coming on the show today man i really appreciate it
1: yeah casey thanks for having me man it was it was i had a great time